Welcome everyone to the Fight Against Mediocrity podcast. Today we have Avery Smith. I'm really excited for this. He teaches professionals to break into tech and land high-paying remote data analyst jobs, um, which may or may not sound interesting to you, to those of you listening. However, what he has done with his business is going to be very interesting. So stick around. He's worked for companies like ExxonMobil. He's helped teach at MIT and he was just featured in Bloomberg Business. Oh, and he's he built his LinkedIn audience to uh, 70,000 followers. So welcome, Avery. Thanks. Excited to be here. Big fan of the podcast. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. So for the listeners, um, tell us, you know, and, and I know we went over this before we started, but tell us like, how did you end up teaching professionals to break into tech and land high paying remote data analyst jobs? Like super random. Yeah. Kind of a, kind of a weird, uh, job title to have. Um, but I, I went to school and I didn't know what to study. I went to college, didn't know to study like a lot of different people. And I was like, Oh, I kind of liked chemistry and I kind of liked math. Uh, maybe I'll combine the two. And so I found this degree called chemical engineering and I started that my freshman year. And man, I found out pretty quickly. I hated it. <laughs> I did not like it. Uh, but by the time I figured it out, I know I was like one year, I was kind of done with my freshman year and I was, I was actually on a scholarship. And so I only had so many semesters of, of, you know, school paid for. And I was like, oh crap, how do I figure this out? I need to like not do chemical engineering, but I don't want to have to like do extra semesters. So I ended up finding this cool space of data analytics and just, you know, taking data and turning it into interesting insight. And I, I fell in love. And so I started to realize, wow, this is, this is awesome. Flash forward two years. I want to leave ExxonMobil. I'm done working in corporate. I want to start my own thing. I started doing freelancing and consulting. And as one of my consulting projects, I actually got hired to build a course for someone else. And I like really enjoyed the process. And I was like, oh, hey, maybe I could make, you know, a little bit of, of a course and, you know, kind of help people go through the journey of what I went through, of, you know, studying something else, but then working in, in tech as a data analyst and what that path is. And so I started, you know, doing that online and that's what I do full time now. That's so cool. And you're very casually just like tell that whole story, but I'm sure there were some roller coaster ups and downs. And that's what I really want to get into. For example, you know, when you uh, um, were working for ExxonMobil and you were having those thoughts of like, maybe I should go do something else. I, I want to, you know, start my own thing. Um, how did that happen? And how did you land your first few clients? So you weren't like eating ramen noodles. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, I'm actually like very risk adverse. Um, and so it was a really big step for me because my like whole life, I like grew up with my dad basically like being like, you have to go to college and get a good, good, get good grades. So you can get a good job. So you can like not live in like the ghetto. And I was just like very driven <laughs> by fear. And like this idea that so like, slippery slope fallacy right there. You don't go it, to college, you live in the dumps. Da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And he, he always told me, so we're, we're both, you know, living in Utah and he'd always tell me I'd lived in like a certain city in Utah. I won't say the city to, 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 to degrade <laughs> them, but anyways, I like grew up my whole life. Like, okay, I, I got it. Like I got to go to college. I got a good job. Uh, and so I was able to do that. I was able to, you know, chemical engineers, especially in oil and gas get paid a lot. So I was making over six figures straight out of college, which was awesome. Right. Um, but I just like was not fulfilled and I'd go to work every day. In fact, I'm a data guy, obviously. And so I actually started making this spreadsheet of like how, when I got to work, how excited I was to be there. 
I just like, a, it's like a journal and you're just one to 10. How excited are you to be at work today? And it started to go from like, you know, eights and sevens to like fours and fives to like twos and ones to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I am not fulfilled by doing this. It's not fun for me. And I need to do something else. I had always been interested in entrepreneurship. I had tried to start three businesses in college and failed them all miserably. Like hadn't even made $500 probably. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this, but I kind of suck at it, honestly. Like, what, what am I going to do? Um, but luckily, the company I had worked for in college before I had worked for ExxonMobil uh, messaged me and they're like, hey, could you come back and do some contract work for us? Um, and so I was already doing contract work for them. And then also at this point, I was kind of growing my LinkedIn audience and I was getting some bites on other companies who wanted to hire hire me as a contractor or as like a consultant. Um, and so by the time I really quit my job, I was, I was pretty comfortable that I could survive, you know, I had, I had enough money to survive two months, uh, with like just my savings. Um, and then I could probably survive another two months based off of the clients that I had like already in the bag. Um, so I was very, I was very careful that I was like, when I'm, I'm going to make this jump, but I'm going to have a safety net kind of underneath me a little bit. I mean, four months isn't a very long time though. If yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a good point. It, it might've been a little bit more in savings. Uh, and yeah, it, it still isn't a ton though. Had you always been interested in data or was that something that in college you got into? Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> as a kid, I always really loved math. And uh, I was interested in programming. Like I, I wouldn't say I was a programmer as a teenager, but I had taken like some of the programming classes that back in, you know, 2009 to 2013 that they had <laughs> in high school at the time. So I was always interested in programming and math. Um, to be honest, like data analytics, although it's not like necessarily the newest thing ever, it's really exploded in the last 10 years. So I wasn't really super familiar with it. Uh, but once I got to college and I kind of found out about it, I became really hooked. The idea of like, you just take a bunch of numbers and then all of a sudden you can, you know, transform it into little actionable nuggets of, of insight is really powerful for me. Yeah. Well, that, that is the power, right? I mean, someone once said that Tesla, the value of Tesla isn't necessarily in the cars. It's in the data that they collect driving thousands of all these millions of roads around the country that no other company has the data for. And then they can take that data and, and use it for other things, right? Yeah, totally. It's, you can, I mean, you look at all the tech giants, you know, Facebook, Amazon, you know, Spotify, Netflix, a lot of their business is very based off the data they have, especially the social medias, because, you know, other than advertising, they don't really have much revenue mm-hmm. other than just, other than just knowing exactly who we are and what we want and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's true. You started, so take us on that journey. You you quit your job, started doing contract work. You had four months of, of uh, safety net. And so after four months, you'd live in the city in Utah that shall not be named. Um, what what happened after that? So you, and you said you created some courses. So how did it turn out to that, to what you're doing now? Take us on that bridge. Yeah, so uh, I tried to get some more like freelancing and consulting clients. So that was mostly uh, organic inbound uh, through my LinkedIn a lot of the time, um, as well as some SEO stuff that I did. I had a little website and, and people would like type in what they would need and I would talk to them. Um, and so I started I started building some clients. And at the time, I don't know, I maybe had 15,000 
followers on LinkedIn, maybe 10,000, somewhere in that, uh, that range. And, uh, one of them, one of my connections on LinkedIn, you know, had over a hundred thousand connections on LinkedIn and she was like a, a big person in the data space. And she was building this like data visualizations, so like graphs and charts, uh, course. And she asked me to build like two, two parts of it. And so I did that. So I, that, that was like one of my consulting jobs. So, you know, I did, I probably worked for her for, I don't know, two months, uh, half of my hours, you know, so um, maybe even a little bit less, maybe it was just like a, about a half a month or something total. Um, but I was building this course for her and it was really fun. And I thought it was really interesting. And she said, well, you, you're, you did a great job with this. You might want to open up your own Academy someday. And I kind of laughed at it. Um, but then I actually had a couple friends, uh, that were in the course space. I don't know. Have you interviewed Bridger Pennington? Yeah. 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 He's been on. Here. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I think I've even listened to the episode. Uh, so Bridger and I went to high school together. I went to high school with like Parker uh, Wallbeck as well. Oh, cool. And and they had been in the core space uh, for a while. And specifically like Bridger and I were like, like 20 days apart in age. We live like pretty close to each other. So I saw all, all the success that Bridger was having. And I was like, man, like, look what Bridger's doing. I think I, maybe I could do that too. Um, and so I actually ended up getting like one of my best clients uh, for consulting work. And in the cybersecurity space and 20 hours a week, I was building them a product and 20 hours a week, I was uh, working on my course and building out the videos and the content and everything. And I did that for about three months until I launched it in August of 2021. So last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's awesome, dude. So what I'm hearing so far is you just have to acquire skills. Like the reason you are valuable to other people is because of the skills you'd, you'd acquired. So now step one is acquiring skills. And then um, I'm curious. So you launch your course. Well, I guess back up, back up two seconds. So how did you build such a big LinkedIn following? I kind of built my LinkedIn following on accident because I think even to a lot of people now, LinkedIn's just like a place where you go, uh, if you need a job, right. Yeah. Um, it's just like an online resume. And I guess that's what it was for me too. It was like a place to apply for jobs and have a resume online. Um, but I guess like I graduated and I kind of shared that like as a post on, on LinkedIn and like a lot of people kind of liked it at the time. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to build an audience on social media at all. I have like a personal Instagram and that's it. Um, but you know, I post a picture on Instagram. It maybe gets, I don't know, 70 likes, you know, but I posted this on LinkedIn and it got like 300. I was like, Oh, interesting. That's, that's really interesting. And then I, I started a master's degree. I kind of forgot to mention that, but I started a master's degree in data analytics as well. Um, right as I graduated college or my undergrad, um, did that part-time while I worked at Exxon. And I, I was kind of updating every semester, like how the semester went in that, in that program. And people like were really liking the posts on LinkedIn. I was like, Oh, this is kind of weird. And then when COVID happened, you know, when we had literally no idea what it was in hindsight, this is a little funny to be honest, but like this is back when it like March of 2020, we had no idea what was going on. Like we had no idea what it was. Everyone's freaking out. Um, the government, like the U S government actually like made a call to like all the data scientists in the country and was like, Hey, this like scary thing called COVID's coming out and we have no idea what it is. We don't have any idea how to treat it. Here's like 70,000 uh, like journal entries and documents from all these doctors and like all this, like this database, can you find anything interesting? They just like open source this, this problem wow. about like how we could fight and solve COVID. When was this? this, this like, so yeah, this is like the first week of COVID. This is like early March oh, okay. or maybe mid March, 2020. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe April. Um, 
And I was like stoked. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to solve COVID for the world and like <laughs> the power of data. And so I thought I this was that. awesome. And I was like, oh, I want to share this with everyone. So I got on my LinkedIn and I tagged like 10 like people in the prominent people in the data science space on LinkedIn. And I was like, hey, look, let's try to solve COVID. And that post ended up, I don't know, getting maybe like 500 likes and 70,000 views. But I was just blown away that like, oh my gosh, 70,000 views. That's like so many views. Um, and at that point I was like, oh, this, this, there's something to this whole posting on LinkedIn thing. And I started to experiment with it, you know, started posting instead of once a semester, you know, maybe like once a week. And then eventually it got to every day and and now it's every day or multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. And is that right now? Well, first of all, I want to hear what you found out on COVID. Did you say, oh. are you the reason we're able to go out and about nowadays? Yeah, I solved COVID. <laughs> Didn't tell anyone about it though. No, just kidding. Uh, and actually, I don't even know where that project went. For me personally, uh, I worked on it, but it's like the data that they gave us is a specific part of like data science that I'm not as good at. So I never found anything super helpful, um, but I spread, I helped spread the word. So that, that counts for something, I guess. Yeah, that is, that is true. Um, dang, that's cool. So um, with your new business, you, you launch your course. How does that launch go? You know, walk us through getting customers. I'm guessing the majority of them are coming from LinkedIn organically. Yeah, exactly. So I decided I'm going to launch on August 18th of 2021. It took me about three months because uh, I started in May. So May, June, July. Yeah, basically three and a half months to build out all of the content uh, half time because I was spending 20 hours a week paying the bills, 20 hours a week building the course. Mm -hmm. At this point, I don't have any money from the course. I'm just building it, right? Um, and I have it built about 25% by launch day. And that was always my plan was to, to kind of launch it, uh, have 25% of it done and then finish the rest of the 75% kind of as I go. Yeah. Um, I've just spent like, you know, three and a half months working on this. You know, it is, it is kind of part time, but it took up a lot of my time. And so, uh, I have a big webinar. I can't remember how many people signed up to like come to this like grand opening webinar probably like around 500. They're all coming from LinkedIn organically. I've kind of just been hyping wow. it up. That's impressive. Uh, yeah. it. Well, not 500 people showed up. We probably had, I don't know. We actually had a pretty good show up right now that I think about it. If, if these numbers are right, I think we had like 200 people um, yeah. live. And we ended on, the, on day one, we ended up having uh, 12 people join uh, on, on the grand opening. So it was, I sold it for $800. That's how much the price was. So I basically made, I I'm not actually that good at math, but 12 times eight. I mean, I, I basically didn't make $10,000. Um, just under. Yeah. Short of that. yeah. Um, and to be honest, I was kind of bummed. Really? I was like, oh, I just spent, I just spent, um, three months. you know, three months and I just got paid $10,000. And, you know, keep in mind when I was at Exxon, I mean, 10,000 is not, not nothing. Um, yeah. But when I was at Exxon, I was making over six figures, which is, which is only 8,000 a month. But I was like, that's three months I just spent basically doing this. I don't know. And so I got really worried and I was like, crap, I need more. I need it. This whole thing's not going to work out very well. I need more clients. Yeah. Um, but then this is something that you'll learn when you're doing online courses is you need to have urgency and people need to have a time set so that they join the course. So the sale that I did, I basically gave you $200 off. Uh, actually it was that it was priced at 2000. I never sold it for 2000, but I was basically giving you over 50% off. Um, but that was supposedly going away by the end of launch week. Um, and it, I mean, it wasn't going to go 2000, but it was probably going to go to a thousand dollars. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so by, you know, I, I kind of did what's, what's kind of known as a typical launch where you, you have the grand yeah. opening and then you send maybe, you know, three or four emails during the week saying, Hey, it's, you know, we're closing the doors on, on Saturday or whatever. The Jeff, um, Walker, anyways, Jeff Walker launch book stuff. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I was following that to a T product lunch formula, launch uh, book, all that good stuff. Um, and that stuff really works because by the end of the, by the end of the, you know, the week we had launched, I can't remember how many students, but about $40,000 sold, Wow. Um, which was, which was awesome. I mean, my goal was 50. So I was still a little bit bummed that I didn't hit the 50, um, but 40 was, was awesome. But during that week, I'd actually like gotten like two more big clients for consulting. So all of a sudden I had kind of this hard thing where I, I picked up the amount of consulting I needed to do, but all of a sudden I had all these students that needed to learn. So, uh, that was actually a big mistake that I made as I freaked out way too early and it was like, this isn't going to work. This isn't for me. And it actually turned out, I just needed to wait like five more days. <laughs> um, and so, well, what did you end up doing? Did you end up, you know, fulfilling the students and fulfilling those two clients? Or did yeah, you I, I probably did poorly with, with both, to be honest. I tried to balance the two. Um, I did kind of like hire out part of the the client's job, like the freelancing job. Um, but yeah, I tried to balance the two. Um, but I mean, that was like, once again, back to my risk adverse personality. I was like, oh man, I took a risk. It didn't go as well as I thought it did. I need to like mitigate the risk when really I just needed to be more patient. And so that's something I've learned now is like, when I'm taking a risk, I need to wait a couple, a couple, you know, weeks or months lay a little bit longer and be, be a little bit more confident with what can, what can happen in the end. But um, right. yeah, I think we delivered both to both parties and it, it went okay. And so I'm, I'm loving this story. I'm loving how I'm, I feel like I'm having to kind of pull this story out of you a little bit, but uh, it's been really, it's really cool what you're doing. So you did $40,000 your first week and then you're like, okay, now I fulfill all of them. And now what are you doing to continually keep bringing clients in and what are you charging now? Okay. So, um, after I did the 40,000, like the first week, I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And I was like, okay, so what do I do next? So I did this live webinar. Oh, what if I turn this into an automated webinar? So I did, are I you, did, like, are a- you learning all this stuff from Russell Brunson? Is that where you're pulling the webinar stuff from? Not really. So my experience with courses um, basically came from, okay, wow, Bridger, Bridger Pennington's doing this. How is Bridger learning? Oh, he's lear- learning with the Welbecks. I went to high school with them. Uh, yeah. Parker Welbeck made a full-time filmmaker. And then they launched uh, a course called Course Creator Pro, which is about yeah. how to make courses. And so at that point, uh, I'm in Course Creator Pro and I'm learning most of my stuff about courses from Parker Welbeck. Um, who in turn learns a lot of stuff from Russell Brunson, but kind of yeah. has his own twist on it. But at this point, I don't think I, I don't know who Russell Brunson is. I don't know anything about wow. ClickFunnels. Um, I'm just doing kind of what, what Parker, uh, mentions and, um, also, uh, what Jeff Walker kind of mentions at this point, my dad, like years ago had, had purchased, uh, product launch formula. So I had access to that, um, but did not have access to, uh, the, I didn't, I didn't read the book or anything like that. I just had access to the, like the course. I hadn't oh. really done it, but I'd listened to a decent amount of it. Um, and I'm just learning everything kind of through them. Um, yeah. and at this point it's like, okay, I did the live webinar. Let's do, let's do the automated webinar. Yeah. Um, and I'll just like keep driving organic LinkedIn traffic to my website and we'll make sales that way. 
Uh, it failed. It sucked. It did not go good at all. I was probably making after I launched, like after launch week, I probably made two sales, uh, a week for until, until 2022, probably. Uh, sorry, not two sales a week, two sales a month, two sales a week is not bad. Two sales a month, uh, for, for, for the next four months. So September, October, November, December, I probably made eight sales total. And that's just organically from posting on LinkedIn. Just, yep. Just posting on LinkedIn, driving people to, uh, just my website, my sales page or the auto automated webinar. Um, yeah, that's it. Cool. And then what switched? Because I know, didn't you just have like a hundred thousand dollar month recently? Yeah. In November, we did about a hundred thousand revenue. So November. So uh, walk us through the, what, what, what changed, you know, two a month, two a month, two a month. And then you figured out what? Yeah. The, the, honestly, the, the biggest thing is, is I, I got to learn who Russell Brunson was. Uh, that's been such a, a differentiator uh, in, in my business in a lot of ways. So I don't even remember who introduced me to Russell Brunson. Uh, probably his Facebook ads. I was going to say probably an ad, but I don't know because actually, you know what? I think it was Bridger because when I launched, uh, when I launched, I talked to Bridger on the phone for like an hour before I launched. And I was like, Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing this. Like, what, what do you recommend? And I think he had mentioned, uh, no, not traffic secrets, not expert secrets. What's the other one? Dot com secrets. Dot com secrets. There we go. Um, and I think he had mentioned that kind of in passing. Uh, and so, anyways, I I got dot com secrets not through Russell's you know online uh, book book funnel, but I bought it from Amazon for like for like thirty five bucks. You can get it for free or really ten bucks, really. I think. Um, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I bought that book and I started reading it. And one of the things in there that it kind of talks about is having a, um, oh man, what's it called? A product ladder or an ascension ladder? Value ladder. Value ladder. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I realized that like my product, although, you know, I was still selling it for under a thousand dollars was kind of a more premium product. Like it was expensive for the people I was selling it to. Uh, but also it was very time intensive. Um, like it was, it was, it would take people like four months to complete. Um, and so, and I realized I was just kind of going straight to that, you know, more expensive, more time intensive product. And instead I needed something that was a little bit cheaper and a little bit more quickly done. And so I started a 21 day challenge, uh, that I sold for $50 in January of this year. Um, and that was a huge difference maker for my business because all of a sudden I was getting more customers. Uh, people love the challenge, um, and I could upsell them at the end to my bigger product. And so basically from January and February and March, um, I probably, instead of, I don't know how much, how many sales I was getting, but instead of making, you know, basically like if I did two sales a month, that's like $2,000. I started doing, you know, 4,000 and then 6,000 and then 8,000. And then it was pretty, pretty stagnant between, uh, 10 and $15,000 for, for most of the year with just the addition of having this, this more entry level course and upselling them at the end to my bigger course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I want, I'm curious, I've never done a challenge, um, but I have ideas of how I could do a challenge. Walk us. Well, this is a selfish question. Walk me through and the listeners can join. Um, 
how you do your launches, because I think that's something that a lot of people need to understand is, and basically what you're saying is I needed a way to get customers in very low risk so that they could get a taste of it, give them some values Mm -hmm. and then, and, and then uh, send them up. And so what does your 20 day one challenge look like? Yeah. So, uh, I think I did a lot of things wrong, to be honest. And I actually don't offer that challenge right now because, because there's a lot of things wrong with it. So I'll tell you the stuff I did well and the stuff I did wrong. Cool. So one is it was cohort based, which meant that it happened every month on like the first Monday of the month. So that's good because people need a reason to sign up. Like I said, like we love to procrastinate and wait till the end. Uh, until we can absolutely do it. So it forcing them and saying, Hey, we're doing a cohort, you know, starting this date, sign up people like that. People like to be part of like this group. And they liked that rather than like an evergreen challenge where you kind of be by yourself. Um, they like the live aspect of it, which was good. Um, got way more signups that way. So that, that was a good start. Now, one thing I did wrong is 21 days, I think is way too long to do a challenge, at least with my material. It was just like too much work and too much effort. Um, so if, if, and when I'm going to do more challenges next year, and the reason I'm not, I'm no longer offering that challenge. I I stopped doing that in October. Um, but it was, it was awesome for me throughout the year. Um, the reason I stopped doing it is because I'd move it down to a five day challenge. People are just way more motivated the first five days. In fact, I actually noticed that like (laughs) three week challenge, everyone did the first seven days and then no one. And then it would always like half off for the 14 days and then half off again for 21. And then those people who finished the 21 days to data challenge, they were awesome. They, they would either like, I probably had a close rate of like, I don't know, 50% by the end. But the problem is it was like a fourth of my original group of people together. So five days was probably like the the best that I would do. And yeah, people just like the community. They like, I think also challenges are different, you know, that they're fun, they're involved, they're hands-on. So I think people really enjoy them. Yeah. And yeah, I'm guessing you do like a daily Zoom call. You have a Facebook group, you're having challenges or homework each day, stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, I think that's probably a, a good way to do it. I did not want to have to be on the zoom every day. I do not like things on my calendar at all. Like I do not like to have to be at a certain place doing a certain thing at a certain time. And so I try to avoid it as much as I can. Sometimes it, it like it, it's not good and I need to be okay with it. But I was like, I'm not going to do this live at all, especially for 21 days every single month. Yeah. Um, That's a lot. It was so much. And also, I mean, I'm guessing you work with a lot of entrepreneurs who have a little bit more time flexibility, um, but I'm working yeah. with people who are mostly employed. And so they want yeah. it to be in the evenings and I don't want to be working 21 you know, days a month in the evening. So uh, I actually did a recorded, it's about 20 minute lesson every day. Uh, so it was recorded. Uh, there was always the lesson. And then there was a challenge, like a homework assignment that they had to do, which people really like taking action on what they learned. Mm-hmm. And then the third aspect I had worked really well for them and for me is a share. Um, and so this was awesome. So part of my, you know, my pitch is I help you land your next job. And what's a good place to land a job is LinkedIn. And so every day I'd make you watch a 20 minute video, you'd learn, you'd do something to act on that learning. And then the third thing is you share what you learned. And so basically, you know, if I had a cohort, of 50 people going through this program, I would have 50 people posting about my program to my target audience on LinkedIn uh, every day because I'd use the hashtag 21 days to data. Um, and so that was a really Jeez. big, it was a really big for marketing. And I didn't do it necessarily for marketing because it also really helped them 
like yeah. get seen and grow their network and get jobs. But it was really effective marketing for me um, just to make them do that often. Yeah, that's actually really, really smart. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody. I've heard of like posting in the Facebook group or like a group, but um, that makes sense. And so, uh, and so you're, you're doing 10 to $15,000 a month doing this 21 day challenge. Um, that makes sense. That's really cool. So November it's, it's kind of like, you're like having these things and like, okay, I'm going to do this. This helps. This helps. What happened in November? You did a hundred, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So, so first off I, this whole time, even in like the beginning of early of this year, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this for me? Um, because at the, at the time, my wife and I, we had been married five and a half years and we were like, okay, it's my, maybe time to have a kid. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, I, I want to be a dad. I'm excited to be a dad. But also I'm like, that means more expenses. I don't want my wife to have to worry about working, yeah. you know, having a kid. So I'm like, I don't know. Can I, you know, I have to pay for my own insurance, you know, cause I was on my wife's insurance still at the time. Um, I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And so I was really worried about this, this whole year, basically. Um, and it was getting better and getting better and getting better. Um, eventually I went to, once again, this is not like a plug for any of Russell Brunson stuff, but I went to funnel hacking live in September, which, which yeah. you were there. Um, and I just learned a whole heck of a lot there, like way, way more than I, than I thought. And my big takeaway was that the way I was administering my course was ineffective. And what I mean by that is it wasn't really framework based. It was, I kind of just made a bunch of videos and, uh, put them all together, like in this place. And it was like a, a buffet, come take whatever you want, you know, no real clear order or, or structure. And it was also very wide and broad in what I was covering. Like I obviously, you know, breaking into data analytics might sound niche, but I, I had it too broad there. And so I, I actually, I realized I needed to focus who I was serving, solve that one problem for them, not multiple problems, that one problem for them and do so in a very structured framework way because I was kind of just giving them a buffet and I needed to give them here's course one, or here's like your first course. Here's your second course. Here's dessert. Like I needed to direct them very clearly. Um, so in, when I went in September, I was like, okay. And I also realized my challenge was too long. The 21 days was too long. Everyone was doing five day challenges. Um, and I realized, well, my, my courses, my 21 day challenge is great, but my, my completion's low. And they were like, okay, it's just too long. So I realized I needed to, I needed to do a lower challenge and I realized I needed to make it my course much more focused and like, this is the framework. And Russell's always saying this new thing. I don't know if you've heard it, but I, have you seen the Mandalorian? Maybe not. I haven't either. Somewhere. I haven't either. It's, it's on Disney plus it's like the new star Wars show, but there's apparently oh, like this, no, this quote in there that Russell keeps saying, it's like baby Yoda saying it or something. All the star Wars fans are so mad at us right now that we don't know this. Um, but <laughs> it's like a picture of baby Yoda. And it just says, this is the way. And Russell keeps saying that recently that like you, you need to, you, you, you can't tell your people that there's multiple ways to do it. You have to say, no, this is the way if you're going to be part of this program. This is the way we're going to do it. And earlier I was like, well, there's this way and there's that way and there's this way. And I think uh, okay. people just kind of got lost and confused and didn't like really act. And so I had to redo my whole course and focus on, no, this is the way, this is how you go from A to B. And you, if you go to, you know, step C first, like you're going to fail. Like we need to go to A to B to C to D. And so I redid, redid the majority of my course, made it much more streamlined, less like serve yourself. 
Um, and I, and I relaunched it, renamed it, relaunched it. I uh, did a launch in November where, um, I mean, I didn't really change my marketing tactics. Once again, I just said, Hey, I'm relaunching this course. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. Uh, did that for about a month of kind of like teasing it on LinkedIn and I built it in public. That's another thing I did. Um, so like I announced that I was, you know, redoing it. I like had people vote on the names, you know, the, my, I don't even like the name of my program that much right now. It's called data analytics accelerator. I would not have named it that. Like I had like a list of 12 different names and basically they chose like my audience chose that name and I don't love it, but it is what it is. Like that's what they like. So oh. they voted on the name. I did like a, a survey and I asked them, what's the biggest struggle for you? Um, like rank what you'd want in this course. And I kind of built the course based off of my audience's, you know, what they would like. And then I took their own, their own language, their own marketing, their own votes. And I, I created a course that they wanted based on what they told me. Um, so I did a, a big webinar launch uh, in mid-November, the exact same way that I did it when I first launched. And we just had uh, a lot more people register and a lot more people join the course. Did you raise the price um, of admission? What did you raise it to? Yeah. So, uh, man, pricing is always so hard because I, you can never really, in my opinion, you can never really go down on your pricing or just, it just gets a little iffy if you go down on pricing and maybe that's a false belief I have to lose, but I wanted to make sure, uh, that that these first people in the first cohort got a good deal. So the Mm -hmm. the set price is still $2,000 because also I should keep in mind, I should tell you that the course even now is not finished. It's not hundred percent done. Um, it's it's like 90% now, but when I launched it, just the first three modules out of 10 were done. I had I had like outlined the rest of them, but I was building them as I went. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make sure I gave a good deal to these first people. So the the price is $2,000, but I gave everyone who joined uh, a pretty significant discount. You could either join for one time of $1,249 or six month payments that ended up being $1,499. Mm-hmm. Cool. And we and sold so- like 80 or something like that. Yeah, I love that. And Brooke Castillo, um, that's like how she opened ClickFunnels, right? It was like, you have to have a framework. And what I remember most about her speech that kind of, I mean, obviously it left an impression because I still remember it. And, you, you know, I don't remember everything I learned there, but she said, um, here's my framework to take people from A to B. And, and then she says, someone came up to me once and was like, Brooke, someone else is using your framework. And she's like, well, I mean, you can't like still truth. Like this is just a truth. This framework works and anyone can use it, but yet she was crushing it, teaching it. And so, I don't know, it was just like really cool how she explained it. Um, so you, you did the webinar. Do you, have you read one to many by, uh, Jason Flatline? I haven't. Should I, um, have you gone through um, 10X Secrets by Russell Brunson, where he teaches how to do a, a webinar kind of thing? No, I haven't read 10X Secrets. I've read all, all the trilogy, though. Oh, no. I mean, I think I'm actually going to have Jason on the podcast here next month, which will be oh, cool. cool. It's a really good book, but obviously what you're doing with webinars works. I was just curious if that's where you got it. And uh, I am curious, though, because one thing that I've noticed... Um, you know, we're actually in very similar boats. I, I launched my program in, when did you say you launched yours? August of 2021? Yep. I launched mine in September of 2021. So like, oh wow, right. Yeah. Right there with you. 
Um, so you said you want to make it, Hey, more, this is the way one's problem. Uh, and I solve it one specific way. And so how did you, what are you doing differently now? You know, you have modules, what else do you give them or how else do you guide them so that mm, they get yeah. their result? The, one of the biggest things that has led to success in this, and my first cohort's not even done. Cause, uh, I, I only let them go one module per week. So, yeah. and you can't get to module two until you've done module one. So oh, cool. my, that first cohort is, is on module six, I think right now. Um, so, you know, they're still going through it, but one of the biggest things that they've liked that I've implemented that I completely stole from, uh, Russell Brunson, but it's very powerful and I love it is a member only podcast. Um, oh. it's been absolutely money for me. So another thing I, I guess I should say is I was so hooked on Russell Brunson and click funnels and everything that after funnel hacking live, I ended up joining Russell's coaching program called two CCX. Um, I ended up only lasting a month in the program because it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. But one of the best parts that they had about the program is they had a, a, a podcast, a member only podcast. Um, and I ripped through those and loved those uh, a lot. And I was like, man, I'm going to just use that for mine. So I have podcast, I have a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't done many episodes this year, but I have also a member only podcast that you can only listen to if you're inside of my, you know, premium product and people love it. They, wow. they, because you don't always have time to sit at a computer and watch a video. Right. Yeah. Um, but you do want to be learning. And I have this problem where, you know, my students are working full time and they're busy, their moms, their dads, whatever. And they want to be switching their career. But they don't always have time to do it. So if they can, you know, do that while they're doing the dishes or dropping their kids off at school, they love it. And so that's really interesting. And one of the things, I mean, Russell always teaches funnel hack, you know, go look what, what someone else is doing. Obviously it's working if they're doing it for long periods of time and then model them. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I'm funny because I join a lot of programs and half the reason I join them is just to like, kind of, yeah. you know, program hack them and see what they're yep. doing, what the, what works, what doesn't. So this member only podcast, how do, do you upload it to a platform similar to a podcast or is, how is it delivered to them? And then what are you teaching them on those? And then how frequently? I'm still, I'm still figuring it out to be honest. Cause because keep in mind, I just I just did this in November. So we're mm -hmm. about like a month into the program so far. So I'm still figuring it out. So the right now, it's almost like an audio companion of the course is how mm -hmm. I describe it. So for every module I have, which is 10 modules, I have an accompanying 40 to 50 minute podcast that explains the concepts inside of that module. Does it cover everything? No. Does it sometimes have extra stuff? Yes. It's kind of like, Whatever I felt like is hard to kind of explain, you know, what, 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 what might they need extra help on? What's something that like my hearing my voice might give them. Um, but it's been awesome. So the, the way I deliver it, um, and I have a bunch of research on this. I went through and tried to find like the, the best ways to do these private podcasts and stuff like that. Um, I ended up going with maybe not the best way, but it was the, the cheapest way, uh, for me. Uh, I use Kajabi to deliver all of my courses and everything. And actually Kajabi rolled out private podcasts uh, about, I don't know, eight months ago or so. Um, so I actually just use Kajabi as an oh, extra cool. product to, to, to roll that out. And so basically they just get an email uh, with a custom RSS link. Um, that RSS link can be pasted into the Google podcast app or the Apple podcast app, and they can listen to it there or they can listen to it on the Kajabi app on their phone. Oh, cool. No, that makes sense. Um, that's way cool. 
And so basically 10, 10 modules, you have an accompanying um, podcast from module one to module 10. That's everything they need to land a job in data science. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Um, yep. Do you have, do you have uh, any other, you know, like a Facebook group or anything else that you offer them? Any, any other, you know, support or weekly calls or anything like that? Or have you found, hey, no, what we have works, it's going to help them a lot? So um, I have, so I do right now, I'm doing a weekly live call cool. um, where I kind of go over, you know, one lesson of of the program, specifically from that week's module, because I'm really focused on this first cohort that's going through. Um, so I'm doing that right now. I don't know if I'm going to do it weekly in the future. Like I said, I don't like having commitments, especially in the evenings on my calendar. Uh, but yeah. it's I, it's important for me to do it right now because this is my first time running this version of my program, right? And I want to make sure that everything's going well and, and spending, you know, having that FaceTime with my students is really yeah. important to me. So that's why I'm, I'm dedicated to doing it the first 10 weeks of the program. After that, we'll have to see. Uh, but I actually, I use an app um, called Volley. Uh, it's actually a Utah, a Utah company um, out of Lehigh. And it's like business Marco Polo is like the best way to describe it. If you don't know what Marco Polo is, yeah. it's like, it's like zoom and Slack kind of had a baby. So it's, um, or actually if, if you're in the Russell Brunson world, it's very similar to Voxer, yeah. which Russell really likes, but Voxer sucks. Um, it's not a good app. Uh, so anyways, I can send videos and voice messages. Uh, I can send documents. I can send pictures to all of my students. We have like a, it's like a Slack where we have all these channels on the left-hand side. Wow. Um, yeah. So that I use that uh, pretty often. Um, Individually and, and in a group and they can message each other. Yep. Oh man, that's genius. It's, it's awesome. And it's free, um, that, which is, which is awesome. Uh, there's good parts about it. There's bad parts about it. I originally chose it because uh, I love the video aspect. Like I love yeah being able to send a video message instead of typing something, it's just so much easier for me to just say it. Um, and I like the face-to-face -face action. It's like kind of like a Zoom call, right? But I've been disappointed. My students don't want to do the video as much as I thought they would. They're like too nervous to, you know, hold up a phone in front of their face and talk to it. So it's not used for, not used the video feature as much as I would have hoped. Uh, but it's it's still awesome. We have thankful Thursdays in there. We have success Saturdays. Oh, cool. uh, on Tuesdays, I give them a mock interview question. Um, anyways, so it, it's, it's a good community so they can, they, they can talk to each other. They can talk in the channels. They can talk to me. Um, and that's kind of our community and coaching aspect of the program. That's so cool. No, I actually, now that you mentioned it, my neighbor mentioned it to me like six months ago and I was like, oh yeah, sure. Another app. And I didn't really take it seriously, but it sounds uh really cool. And do they get lifetime access to that? Or um, are you going to have like, once they finish the program, there's like a membership or how, how are you planning on doing it? Yeah, it's a good question. So they have lifetime access to everything right now. Um, this goes back to the whole value ladder thing. And I yeah. realized I was trying to serve like 20 different customers with my first product, with my first mm -hmm. course. Like it was supposed to be for beginners and kind of experts. Like one of the things, you know, I did is I made a living freelancing and consulting. And so as part of my first product, I was like, I'll teach you how to learn data analytics and then I'll teach you how to freelance. And it was all one product for $800. Um, but oh. unfortunately that just led to me burning out and not being able to fulfill on promises. Cause yeah. it was like, people wanted the freelancing stuff. I was like, oh, I'm helping the people who don't even know what data is. And then I was helping people with the data. Anyway, so it was just like way too much stuff. 
So that's why when I, you know, mentioned I need to narrow down when I'm actually teaching, I don't teach the freelancing stuff right now, but that'll be the next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We get people to graduate the program and, you know, they work a little bit as a data analyst. Oh, you want to learn how to freelance? We'll join the data freelance society and stuff like that. That's kind of my plans in 2023. We'll see. That's smart. What a, well, maybe we'll, we'll get out of the course world because everyone some people are probably like okay too much course information Um, (laughs) but it's interesting for us and hopefully interesting for a lot of people but i think one lesson you can take from everything you've just said is like there's nuances that you just don't know until you just start and fail and start and try and try and just like you know you hit a point where you're like stuck and then you're like oh what and then you go to an in-person event. And then you, it's just so cool. I love hearing your story. Um, one of the things, so jumping out of that, and I'm glad this, um, episode isn't sponsored by Voxer. Um, it's in, it's in the works, but I'm just kidding. Oh, phew. I was so worried. I'm just I kidding. said that and I was like, oh man, I, maybe I shouldn't have been so, so critical of them. Voxer's fine, I guess. No, no, no. That I, uh, personally, one of the things that I'm trying to figure out right now is like Facebook groups. Uh-huh. People, I hate Facebook groups okay, because not everybody in your Facebook group sees what you post. And um, like, you're basically like saying that I have a Facebook group for students. I'm basically incentivizing them to get on social media and waste their time. And I'm like, that's not what I yeah. want either. So I think volley will be a cool option. Okay. So one of the cool things that I've been really impressed with you um, and it was funny because uh, before we started this episode, you know, I have you fill out a form with your bio and you put like two sentences and I was like, wait, but weren't you just featured on Bloomberg? And like, didn't you just, weren't you like just featured on Kajabi? And you're like, oh yeah, I should probably like redo my bio. But one of the things that I've noticed that you've been crushing it at is the publicity, you know, getting in front of the media. Um, and so tell us like what's happened, like what you've been, um, in the media doing and how, how did you get those opportunities? Oh, wow. What an interesting question. Um, I would not say I'm good at this, but I can see how, from your perspective, it might look like I am. Um, I don't think I'm good at this at all, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> what, what I did and, uh, what's happened. So, uh, yeah, uh, Kajabi recently did feature me as one of their four creators for their upcoming, uh, uh, basically campaign that starts in the new year. Um, so that was awesome experience. They flew me out to LA and I got to do a photo shoot with them and an interview and, uh, shoot some content with them though. The way I got that is actually really interesting. And it's actually very similar to the way I ended up getting featured in Bloomberg business week. Um, and that is just sharing my experiences online. Um, that's literally it. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been a paying customer for, of Kajabi for, you know, almost a year and a half. And they have a Facebook page of all the people who are customers. And uh, it's, you know, for most people, it's that's nothing. But for me, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a solopreneur. All I do is, you know, hang out in my my office here. <laughs> uh, I don't really know a whole lot of people that do what I do, right? Uh, so it's not like I have coworkers. And so for me, like, it's almost like the people inside of that Facebook group are almost my peers. So I've just been uber active in the Facebook group, kind of sharing my wins and sharing my my losses. And specifically, I talked about how LinkedIn recently um, banned me from their platform temporarily. Um, That's a whole other story. Yeah. But um, basically, I was just kind of sharing my uh, frustration and also just 
giving everyone a warning that like you can't count on social media to be your traffic source, which I still do. But I I need to figure out another way to get you know past it and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, so some people at Kajabi, including like the CEO, ended up saying that, and that's how I ended up getting selected. They just wanted to hear their their whole campaign was about you know social media is great, but it's not a great way to make money. Um, instead, you should make mm. money with like one of your own products, like making a course or a coaching program. And so my story just really fit their their mold, and yeah. so that's why they chose me for that one. Um, and then the Bloomberg Business Week was really interesting, and they weren't highlighting my business really at all. Um, but basically, uh, when I left Exxon, I was obviously you know making a good amount of money. Uh, chose to leave it for you know scary entrepreneurship world, um, and I just would you know talk about what was going on. On on my my LinkedIn, I would just kind of describe how I was I was feeling and all this stuff, uh, and eventually a reporter reached out to me. Um, actually, a couple different reporters about just like leaving Exxon because at the time Exxon was laying off like thirteen percent of the company, and honestly, for that one, I think I was just brave enough to say something. I don't think there was anything super special about me other than you know I was making more money, not working for Exxon now, <laughs> doing my own thing, and it was a better option. Uh, but other than that, I think I was like one of the only people that was willing to like speak on record, uh, mm. kind of just talking about what the company, some of the, not the shady stuff the company's done, but just reason why people were leaving. Um, yeah. So that one's, I think I was just like the only one brave enough or stupid enough to <laughs> to do an actual on the record interview with the reporter. I love that. Um, well, what I'm learning from all of that is you're transparent. It sounds like, you know, I try to be. And, and tell me if I'm wrong. And this is something that I need to learn and learn from you because like, what's cool about you, even just, you know, this interview, for example, you're like, this is the numbers that I did and this is how I did it. And this is how I did it. And for some reason for me, you know, I'm in a similar boat, but I like, don't want to share the intricacies of it. I want it to feel like, oh yeah, everything's good. Like, you know what I mean? But it sounds like for you, it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm here alone. I want to be able to share my thoughts. What's good. What's bad. Get people's feedback and just be super transparent. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's something I aspire to do. I think it is harder. Like, I don't think I'm actually that even that good at it because it's, it's easier for me to do as strangers, you know, like, mm. like, like if I'm, or, or close friends, but the in-between I'm not good at, like, like I don't really reunions. feel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I find myself wanting to share my story because I know that I was inspired. Like for instance, I mean, I don't, it's no secret that Bridger Pennington's doing numbers, right? Like he's making a lot of good money doing what he did. And one time he posted like how much money he was making. And I was like, man, Bridger's making that much from courses. I want to make that much from courses. And so, you know, that inspired me to be like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. Like if Bridger figured it out, maybe I can. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I do think that sometimes there's power in, in sharing numbers. Um, but sometimes it feels like, like, ah, man, I don't want to, I don't want to like brag, you know, or, but then other times it feels like, man, that's, a, I can't even say that number to that person. That person like makes that in a day type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's really hard. And it's a really hard in between of like sharing the numbers and stuff like that. For me, it's just easier to share with complete strangers. It doesn't bother me as much. Cause I'm like the people who don't want to hear it can just ignore it. And they don't know me anyways. And the people that can help, it can help. So yeah. I'm still, I'm still with you and trying to figure out like, the the amounts to share and overshare and also i don't i don't like telling my students how much money i make because it you know they're a big portion yeah of that. yeah 
Yeah, no, I get it. Um, yeah, no, it's a, uh, we'll have to talk more about that off the record, but it <laughs> sounds good anyways. So really, really cool. Um, I guess that's pretty much, I mean, I'm just thinking we have a, a few more minutes left and I, I, uh, have really enjoyed this interview. Um, really enjoyed learning from you really, really cool journey that you've had. And hopefully, like you said, it inspires a couple of people in some way. And what I want to make sure people understand that are listening is, uh, no matter what industry you're in, um, the truths and the principles that you've experienced and taught are true everywhere. You know what I mean? Like get skills, be brave enough to take a risk on yourself. Don't give up, be patient, like all of those things. And so I've got some, some good notes here too. Um, I've never asked this before, but is there, is there any other advice you'd, you'd give to entrepreneurs who are in the thick of it? Um, I, I think my advice to like any entrepreneur would be like, don't be afraid to take calculated risks. And maybe this is even to entrepreneurs, because I think entrepreneurs know that more than I do. But people who are thinking about taking taking the jump is like, you can take the jump, just make sure you have a safety net. It's fine. Like yeah. one thing I find really great power in is asking this question whenever I'm faced with something scary, what's the worst thing that can happen? And if I'm okay with the worst outcome, I, you know, I, I'll do the thing. Like it's not a big deal. That that has really great, great power to me. And then the the second and third thing, I guess, kind of intertwined with that is figure out meet, put yourself in situations where you can meet people who can give you shortcuts, you know, mm. like listening, listening to your podcast is, is a great step because mm. there's people out there who, who have learned a lot of stuff. And like, gosh, if someone, if someone came up to me and was like, how do I launch a, you know, a course? Like I know so much more now than I did when I started. And I wouldn't have even gotten this far had I never, you know, joined course creator pro with Parker Welbeck. I wouldn't have done the amount of numbers I did last week or last month without going to funnel hacking live, like investing in your knowledge and specifically in people, I think is really powerful. And, and that's been huge for me. Yeah. Hey man. Awesome, man. Hey, well, last question. Thank you so much for being on here. We're sponsored by Voxer. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope you get a sponsor by Voxer now. Maybe oh, they'll watch. Be hilarious. No, okay. I doubt it. You're right. It is a, they could use a uh, facelift, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's really cool. We've never met before, so I, I've enjoyed meeting you. We're both in Utah, so I'll have to um, do a double date or something. But the last question, uh, my my favorite question, but I am biased. What does the fight against mediocrity mean to you? I knew you were going to ask this question. Why? Why was I? Why did it take me off? <laughs> I knew. Like I knew it was coming. Uh, for me, it means it means living. It means living a life that like I can enjoy and that I'll look back and be happy because, you know, I, one day we're all going to die. And so we might as well do stuff that we actually enjoy. Yeah. You got in your, in your words, you got to get tens every day on your, your Excel spreadsheet of how you feel for the day. Right. Oh yeah. That I don't keep that anymore. I don't have to, but yeah, definitely. Like Hands if you're day. getting ones and twos on your, on your mood sheets, you got to do something different. And awesome. that's, that's what it means. You got to fight against that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Avery, for being on the podcast. Appreciate it. Have a great day, man. Yeah, you too. Man, on a mission, I'm a kid, you know I be on a way.